Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like... But you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. And hopefully you joined us for our last episode because we're doing part two of our 20 predictions for the next decade. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, maybe take a pause right here, jump back a week and listen to the episode previous so you can get caught up on predictions numbers one through 10. But if you have, we're going to jump right in and start with prediction number 11. So Andy, you want to bring us in with that one? Yeah, sure. And it's a little bit of a controversial one, perhaps in our industry. But I, you know, I think I see that number 11 is the commission structure for selling and buying a business will change. And I, you know, some people would see that as a negative and some people would get scared by that in our industry. And, um, but I, I see that across a lot of industries about how people get paid and the way people want to know exactly what they're paying for. And so I do believe that business brokers will be able to make more money in the future. So let me just start by that and alleviating everybody's fears. I also believe because of technology and marketplaces and things, you'll be able to do much more transactions like that. One of the top brokers in the country, Michael Shea, he's closed 31 deals this year. That's like almost unheard of. I mean, you know, more like 10 to a dozen. I think that'll be commonplace. And I think that's one of my other predictions. So I hate to run ahead of myself. But so I think that people will look at what, and you know, like we see this in technology, people understanding the cost structure of things. And I think it'll change. That's my thought. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. Look, I think a lot of disruption is around pricing structures and changing existing and old school pricing structures in different industries. I mean, you even see it in residential real estate a little bit, people messing with the commission structures of the agents. So I I do think it'll change. Um, I agree with Andy. it'll, It'll change for the better. I think there's also a lot of opportunity in the industry where we've already talked about different types of buyer groups coming to the market, um, different service options coming to the market, that there'll be different areas where business brokers are making money. And it's not just from a straight sale of a business or seller representation of a business, I should say. We talked about co-brokerage too. So I think there will be changes to the commission structure. I'm not sure what that could be. Um, but I, I think that's that's part of evolution of business is that you always don't know what the outcome is going to be. But I don't disagree with you here. I just don't, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out over the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I don't think it's changing next year. Uh, I think this is, again, something that might happen by 2030. And I think that, uh, it, it, like you said, uh, you know, the, they changed the whole way investment advisors uh, make money. And I still believe they're making more money than they were before. They used to be very transactional and try to, and and it was really for the better of the betterment of the client that their interests align. And I think our interests are aligned in our business, but I think it might change even more. Yep. Yep. Exactly. 
So jumping to prediction number 12, predictive data will rule. And we're starting to see this already. Um, Data is a huge business and predictive data is even a bigger business. If somebody can get to you as a consumer and and help influence what you're going to do before you even know you're going to do it, um, that's a huge, huge marketing opportunity. But you can even see it um, in business sales. And I think one big thing that we've always talked about as brokers is if if we could get to business owners before they know that they need to sell, and there, there's some type of predictive data that we could see. One easy one is age, right? So we talk about the baby boomers a lot, but if you can get in front of people that are aging in their business ownership, you can give them the information and resources to sell earlier and get them more money and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that's what you're talking with predictive data, Andy, but just being more proactive in marketing versus reactive. Yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about. I think it's to the point where, you know, listen, we talked about your phone listening to you and your phone listening to what you say. And, uh, you know, I used the example that me and my associate Corey were in Australia and all of a sudden we started talking about Australian wines and we talked about like uh, inexpensive wines we liked back home and we talked about Mayomi. And then all of a sudden on my Instagram feed, I'm getting Mayomi uh, wine uh, advertisements. And But even beyond that, I mean, I think your age factored with whatever is going on in your life. Maybe you got diagnosed with the disease, maybe. And and everything will like, once those kind of things happen in your life or once your kids go to school, once you sell your house, once you buy a vacation home, all of a sudden, all this predictive data will start coming at you and saying, hey, you did these things. And 80% of the people who did these things decide it's time to sell their business. And if you're going to sell your business in the next five years, which we're telling you, you're probably going to based on your age, based on your health, based on your buying patterns, you're going to sell your business. And I think that'll happen in every business. It will. It will. The only thing that I I think we'll see is we have to watch and see what government does in this. Um, We've had a few companies misstep or say abuse this type of information that's out there. And we'll have to watch and see what government's privacy policies um, change to with all this new data that's being collected on consumers and in our industry business owners. Um, but that would be the one thing that I could see that could stall this predictive data revolution, which I do think it, in the end is a good thing. It's a good thing for consumers. It's a good thing for businesses as long as it's not abused. Um, so we'll have to watch and see how governments respond to all this data collection. Um, I mean, there is some, could be perceived as some pretty scary stuff that's going on right now, whether our phones are listening to us or not, they're either listening to our listening to us or reading our minds. Cause I get the same stuff all the time too. I'll be talking about something and then ads delivered right after that. So that's the only thing that I see that could, you know, it could disrupt this prediction a little bit is the government stepping in and saying, Hey, this is a violation of privacy and, and putting in some more restrictions on this type of data. I agree. I agree. But again, I think we can't help ourselves by 2030. Yeah. <laughs> so number 13 uh, is that business brokers will be much more prolific in closing businesses. And I, I said that a little earlier. I kind of gave that away. But I think, you know, upwards of 30 to 50 businesses. So I do predict that there's not going to be a huge explosion in the number of business brokers, but I think there's going to be a huge explosion in the number of businesses sold. Again, the marketplace becoming more, uh, more efficient, uh, people understanding how to sell to your businesses, people understanding that there's value in businesses will increase exponentially the number of businesses sold. 
And therefore, with technology and things like that, business brokers will become more prolific. Uh, and I think this is a great prediction for us. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with this one. I think there's a lot of things in our industry that can be made more efficient in order to get deals done. Um, and, and as we talked about earlier, there are there's most of the brokers are doing you know maybe six to ten deals a year, and I think that's even a higher average. Um, but there, there is with technology and efficiency, there is a easier way to get to 30 to 50 deals. And I think the industry has been left alone mainly because there's not that many transactions that are closing every year. So if you look at residential real estate, there's hundreds of thousands of transactions. So there's a lot of technology that's been catered just to that industry. But I think in the next 10 years, you'll see technology emerge that makes it more efficient for the broker, for a business owner to get a deal done. And that will and in fact, increase the number of deals that we're able to do. It'll also bring, um, and we talked about this earlier, is like bringing strategic buyers to the marketplace, getting people to understand how business brokerage works. I think that's going to drastically increase the number of deals that are done. Great. So now let's move on to prediction number 14. Specialization will be important. Um, and this is, again, related to business sales. So business brokers specializing, and, and actually it could be in really any industry, but specialization or having a niche in your industry is really important. And I, I agree with this one. I think just the further and further we get into business and the further technology and resources that are developed in each industry, it's very hard to be a generalist. It's very hard to understand the intricacies of every single industry that you're serving. And so specializing, whether it be in an industry or a specific task that you're really good at, I think you're going to see a lot more of that in the future. We're already seeing a lot more of it today. Yeah, I, I think this is, you can see it in the medical industry, right? You're going to be able to connect to any of the top medical uh, people in that sort of disease or diagnosis that you have. And I think that's going to be true of business brokerage. And I think that's one of the things that is great about Transworld. Uh, somewhere in the Transworld system is a specialist in your industry. And we lean on that constantly. And I think we'll see more collaboration going on inside of our own system. We have 600 people right now. By the end of 2030, we could have thousands. And I think there's going to be cer certain pockets of people that do, uh, let's say, medical and retail and uh, manufacturing and auto. And I think you'll see more and more of that in us leverage each other. And that's what they do in uh, investment banking. And I think we'll see the, again, with Zoom and technology and knowledge, I think uh, we're going to see more specialization. Yeah. And, and this will also dovetail into the strategic buyers that we predict to come into the marketplace. It'll be easier to, it's easier to reach strategic buyers when you have a built-in network in an industry specialization. So I see this happening a lot already. Um, you know, there's a lot of industries that generalists are still very good at serving, but there's some that you need a specialist in. Like we see in Colorado, cannabis is a specialist type of industry, right? You have to understand the laws um, that go into treating these cannabis licenses. So you're starting to see a little bit uh, already, but I definitely agree at the end of 2030, it's probably going to be more the norm than the generalist broker. Right. Okay, that brings us to number 15. And number 15, I truly believe that we are going to do more cross-border deals, uh, and they're going to be very common. I think uh, in foreign investment and us investing in other countries is going to be more and more uh, 
commonplace. Uh, we've done it. We've grown trans world into markets like Australia and the UK and to France. And we're going to see more and more of that. And it's becoming easier to do that. I just saw a commercial this morning where somebody was on their uh, surface or they're at Google using Google translate, where they're talking to someone in Japan and they're hearing English and the Japanese are hearing Jap uh, Japanese. Uh, it, it, it's going to be more and more like that. I think uh, the world is flat. I think what we've done in the world of as far as globalization, we unleashed this world of globalization. You see sort of a, of a pullback uh, in Brexit and uh, tariffs and things like that. But those, those walls can't stand and they're going to be taken down. And I think this is just us being, okay, wait, globalization wasn't fair the way we did that. Oh, let's get a little smarter about it. And I think it's going to be uh, an incredibly flat world. Yeah, I agree. And I think more you're going to see this in the, the U.S. going, um, people in the U.S. going out and doing deals across borders. So I think if, if you're exposed to the global marketplace, I think a lot of other countries do cross-border deals well. Um, you know, if, if you're in Europe, it's it's not too much of a jump to have a Fr France office and a UK office, right? But you don't see a lot of American entrepreneurs going global um, with their business or with their deals. And I'm seeing a lot more of that starting to happen as, you know, it's so much easier to do business globally with all the technology, like you talked about, Andy, that some American entrepreneurs are looking to expand globally and not just like big billion dollar companies. Like we're talking the small entrepreneurial mom and pop shops that are able to expand, span through these global opportunities. So I actually think, yeah, cross-border deals will get done more. I think what you'll see in the U.S. more is more American entrepreneurs going out and pursuing the global economy. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Number 16. Number 16. All right. You're going to have to explain this one. So uh, multiples will increase. So what what are you thinking here, Andy? Well, I, I think, again, back to I that business ownership and uh, business return on investment is still wildly underappreciated and undervalued. And I think that, you know, in the world of people getting 1% return, and I don't see interest rates going up that much over the next decade, uh, you know, people buy, trying to buy bonds, uh, treat, people buying businesses, the returns Private equity is heavily into the business. And I think more and more commoners will try to get more and more common folk, people will try to be invest in the entrepreneurial world, the ability to raise capital and buy businesses in a collective fashion where, you know, listen, you know, a good entrepreneur in your town and you're willing to back them and your ability to get with to 10 friends and back that person in a new uh, location of their business. I think those things are going to happen. And I think when those things happen, there's going to be more competition for that money and for those earnings. And therefore- multiples will increase. Yeah. I mean, I like this prediction. It, it's interesting because we've always known that the best kept secret in entrepreneurship is by buying a business, right? We're in this, uh, I, I feel like we're in this environment right now where startups are super sexy and me and you have both been through multiple startups. They are not sexy. They're not fun. Um, no. The, no, the easiest way to build and grow a business is through acquisition. We've talked about it so many times. And it's actually the cheapest way to do it too. So I see where you're going with this. And I, I really like this one. I think it also dovetails into education as we begin as a community of business brokers and as business owners that are doing deals, begin to educate the greater public that 
acquisition is actually a much safer bet for becoming an entrepreneur than doing a startup, um, you're going to see more buyers in the marketplace. And like you said, supply and demand, more buyers, the multiples will increase, which I'm sure as a prediction, most of our seller listeners right now really like that prediction. Yeah, I'm sure they do. And I, again, I think this is a really good prediction. I think it will happen and people like to make money with their money. And I think small business is one of the best ways to do it. Uh, and so I think it'll continue to happen. And, and, you know, with transparency and with my next prediction, I think it'll be easier to quantify what you're buying. And my next prediction at number 17 is cash will mostly disappear. And I know my friends in New York City who love to tell me that it's still a cash society in Manhattan, which it is much more than, you know, in, in the big cities, much more than it is in uh, rural America or middle America. Uh, you know, I really do believe that cash will mostly disappear. It has disappeared. I've been in this business 25 years. It has mostly disappeared to this point, And I think it's going to continue. Yeah, it's it's interesting. If you think about, you know, even five or 10 years ago, there was more companies or small businesses that didn't accept credit cards. And now that's almost flipped. I, I know of more companies in my local community that don't accept cash, they're cashless, than companies that are just accepting cash only. Um, it's, it's become a lot easier. It's not just easier to process transactions, but it is, like you said, Andy, it's easier to account for um, in your books and records. Um, it's easier to make sure that you're avoiding fraud and things like that. Um, it, you know, and I think this is, this is down to the consumers too. You see a lot of consumers going away from cash. You know, I know there's tons of people that you get in the grocery line and someone pays for their groceries in cash and the whole line rolls their eyes. Right. So I, I think cash is on its way out and we've become a digital currency society. Yeah, the, the governments love it, right? And so they love it because they're able to collect the taxes. And uh, I think the banks like it. The money moves around much faster. Uh, I think this is going to continue. There's no reason why it shouldn't. Uh, I, you know, it's becoming, I, I, I think one of the predictions that go with that is like cash will disappear. So your credit card. I mean, I don't know why I'm carrying a credit card anymore. And we're almost to the point where, you know, you're going to be able to have your American Express account, your Visa cards and everything on your phone or embedded in your brain, whatever. And you're going to be able to pick which one you want to use. You know, you know you'll be walking out of the store and it says, oh, which, which account would you like me to charge this to? Oh, charge it to my business, to my American Express card, please. You know, I think that's going to happen and, uh, I, and the world will be better for it. Yeah, which actually really is the um, next step for number 18, prediction number 18, books and records will continue to improve. So if you think about what we just talked about, if you go cashless and you're doing everything through credit cards or digital currency, maintaining books and records will be super easy. I mean, everything will connect automatically. You're already seeing a lot of AI-based bookkeeping softwares that are starting to come out. So you're going to see very clean books and records and financial records for businesses moving forward. Yeah. And I think it, it even goes beyond that. I, I think it's to the point where you're going to be able to track employees and, and you're seeing laws in California, which I think may spread around that are uh, kind of up against the gig economy, making those people uh, employees so they could collect the taxes I think you'll see less independent contractor agreements. I think you'll see uh, the ability for, you know, people to be able to work and walk into work and the time clock be correct and us have a, a you know, 
better handle on what labor costs are and what food costs are. I think all those things will continue to really kind of make the world a much more efficient place, less food waste, you know, just it, it'll, it's going to be great. It's good stuff happening out there. Yeah, and like a lot of the other predictions, we already see the infrastructure for all of this in place. Like you already see um, AI moving in this direction, technology, apps that are able to do all these pieces. Um, but I, I don't think it's all been connected necessarily. Like I think right now you're seeing, you're living in a world of technology where you have lots of different silos of technology and nothing's really been able to bring it all together um, in order to run like an efficient like dashboard on your business on everything. It's, it's so pretty challenging there, but all the pieces are in place. So I see this definitely happening. The government will probably be the last one um, to help with this with like taxes and stuff like that but you know it could happen in 10 years who knows yeah i agreed all right number 19 and i think this is uh plays into our business as well franchising will continue to grow and my thought behind this is that uh things are becoming much more plug and play in the world it is being uh it is getting much harder to launch and and maintain a brand i think franchising is a great model to help uh, business owners get into the business, uh, maintain a business. It's being hard, it, you know, it's harder and harder to, uh, you know, to launch a CRM, to create a brand, to have social media presence, to have uh, laws and uh, things like that, kind of uh, the labor laws and those kind of things. So I think it, it's really helpful that franchising will continue to grow. Yeah, I agree with this one. And I think if you look at it from a global perspective too, franchising is very popular globally um, because of all the stuff you just talked about, Andy. But it, it's become much harder to start and stand up a business on your own in multiple different markets across the globe. And also I think what's interesting and what I've found as a franchisee is that you have a lot of people seeking community right now, whether it, it, no matter what the generation is, you just have lots of people seeking community. And I think that franchising gives you that community to build your business in and have the support that you need. Yeah. And I, I, I think that kind of dovetails right into number 20. Number 20, prediction number 20, is that associations will thrive. And associations, we're talking here, industry associations, communities, groups. Again, we're already seeing the building blocks of this. But I think, you know, some associations, as we tend to think of it, are a little bit old school. But they're getting revitalized in different formats and in different ways. Yeah, I think, again, uh, people are going to need to advocate for themselves uh, and small business uh, will continue to have to work against things like uh, laws that are looking to crack down on perhaps gig economies and, uh, and local, um, you know, legal issues and local, maybe some new laws uh, on zoning and those kind of things, or even being able to collect taxes on things like environmental impacts and things like that. So I think that businesses are going to have to, and especially uh, certain certain industries are going to have to strengthen their associations. And you can see that in the medical uh, you know, world, you could see that in the manufacturing world, you could see that in uh, globalization that associations have to work together. And so I, I think that's good for associations. I think it's good for business as well. We, we quote unquote, need to stick together. Uh, this is, you know, small business needs to work together uh, to advocate for themselves, to make sure that it's not just one big company out there in the world. And I, I think we'll constantly see that. So, so I, I do think there's a good future for people working together. 
Yeah. And, and I agree with the thrive. I also, I feel like revitalize is the word that I'm thinking a lot about too. I think there's a lot of opportunity over the next 10 years for business owners to put their stamp on their industry association for something that's, that's maybe become a little stale over the last decade or so. And with, again, with the baby boomers exiting, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for revitalization or different growth. So great prediction. I know this has been a lot of different types of predictions. We've talked about a lot about the future of these last two episodes, but gives you kind of an idea of where our heads are at and what we're thinking is going to change in the next decade, just not just for our industry, but for small business as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously you could have other predictions out there. If you have any others, you could throw them out there. But again, I I, I think that there will be more change, Moore's law, things change 10 times faster every, every little, uh, every little era. So I think that will continue, uh, you know, and I think we'll see much more change, uh, especially in the medical world. I think we'll see much more change in the labor force world. I think there'll be much more change of certainly in technology and communications and transportation. So, so I think it's all good stuff that's going to happen in, in that next 10 years. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I was going to say my last prediction, my kind of bonus one is that the the next decade is going to be a great decade. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think business will thrive. Small business will continue to thrive. Um, and in our world, business brokerage and deals will continue to thrive as well. So we hope you've enjoyed these last two shows. Um, hope that hopefully it's kicked off your year to a good start, maybe giving you some ideas for goal planning for your business or for your industry. And if you do have any questions or ideas for shows over the next year, please visit us at the dealboardpodcast.com. We have a contact form there where you can ask questions, give us show information or ideas, um, and also come on the get, come on the show as a guest too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. It was, it was uh, it's going to be an amazing decade, a happy new decade, happy new year. Uh, we look forward to working with all of you in the small business and uh, large business world. And we are here for you as a resource. So uh, like Jessica says, just pop onto our website and give us a call. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back, everybody. And today joining us for the deal of the week is Tom from our Transworld Business Advisors of Brooklyn office. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Tom, it's great to have you back again. You've got a very interesting deal that you just closed. So tell us a little bit about this business. I really do. It's one of those deals that when you, you sit there with a potential seller, you're like, wow, I hope somebody in my family likes this business because I like it. Um, it's an irrigation company that's mostly in mid Manhattan, which is unusual because their clients all live in penthouses. So they have 800 clients congested in a small Manhattan area, mostly a little bit of Brooklyn, um, upscale clients. And they have crews that go out there and will do the, you know, the work around the plantings. They do turn-ons in the spring. They do turn-offs in the fall and new systems uh, throughout the year. And in the winters, they tend to be doing nothing for about four months. There's a little bit of work, but it's a great four months of downtime. 
Wow. Wow. Sounds like a great business. One of those ones you don't think about very often doing irrigation for penthouses, but sounds like a great business to be in. So uh, you were able to create competition for this business. So tell us a little bit about how you guys decided on the final buyer. Yeah, we um, we got four offers in, in a relatively short time within the first three months. Um, two offers of under the ask price of $1.3 million, one right at it and, and one above it. And the, the sellers are a husband and wife team. And they picked the offer that was at the list price. They didn't go for the highest dollar. And I think what resonated with them was the, the buyers in this case is, are also a couple. And they saw a little bit of themselves in it. You know, I recently read that, you know, a lot of times sellers are more concerned about legacy than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, price is nothing that's going to ever be ignored. Um, but that's what happened here. They really were concerned about carrying the business on the way they ran the business, making sure their employees were treated the same way and kind of enabling a couple to have the same opportunity and lifestyle that they've had and they've enjoyed. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Legacy sometimes is important. It sounds like they found the perfect buyer to continue on their business. So you already told us the purchase price sounds like it was 1.3 million, but what was the SDE? The SDE on this was a little bit over $400,000. It was interesting that they grew the company and kept it at about this revenue number for the last three years. Um, and when we asked them why they didn't want to take it to a higher level, they just really knew their business so well. They knew that going to the next level was for somebody who was younger that wanted to take on more crews and a little bit more work. Um, but with an SD of 400000 plus, they were content to kind of run it and have their, their winters off. But the new the new owners are uh, excited about the growth potential and they should be able to take it over the $400,000 SD. Yeah, sounds like it should be a real fun ride. Well, it sounds like it was a great deal for all parties involved. Tom, if anyone wants to get in touch with you to learn more about how to work with you in the New York area, how can they reach you? Great. Just reach out to uh, Tom Josemondo. My email is tomg at tworld.com. We'd love to have the conversation with you and, and see if we're fit for each other. We like what we're doing and we'd like to help. Well, Tom, thanks again for coming on the show. We'll drop Tom's contact information to the show notes for the listeners as well. And thanks again for sharing. Great pleasure. Thank you very much. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Listing of the Week, and uh, we have a great listing. And we have two people on the line with me today. We have Rupesh Berard from Transworld Business Advisors of Richmond, Virginia. And we have Steve McHugh, his agent as well. And Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Steve, let me ask you. Uh, it's a franchise. Uh, it's a multi-unit franchise, right? It certainly is. Uh, we're really excited about this one. This is a six-unit gift basket franchise uh, in Central Virginia. It's got two million dollars in, in gross sales between the six units. Uh, SDE is about four hundred thousand. Uh, it's SBA pre-approved. Uh, we've got this listed for six ninety nine, which is less than two times seller discretionary earnings. So we're really excited about it. Wow. And so the seller must be really motivated, huh? Absolutely. It's an absentee uh, owner and the financials are very, very clean. Great. This sounds like a, a, a great listing. Again, we love selling resales of franchises, uh, both a proven system uh, and the books and records are usually really good as this one. So, and you have it pre-qualified, you said, for SBA. We certainly do, yeah. So that they're looking for about 10, 15% down? Absolutely. Okay, great. And uh, uh, and it's located in the general Richmond area? 
It is. Uh, it's in the radius of Richmond, uh, Central Virginia area. Great, great. And uh, so the owner's looking to move on. And uh, Rupesh, this is uh, another great listing from your office. Absolutely, Andy. And Andy, I would like to add a little bit more for SBA. We have seen a pattern that typically SBA stretch is up to like uh, 80, in some cases, 90% is finance. But the most interesting thing in our last deal, they have on top of 80 to 90% is finance, they provided about 20% is working capital. So purchaser brought like 10 to 20% is down payment, got 80 to 90% is finance, plus they got 20% working capital. So end of the day, they purchased the business almost 100% finance. Right. Yeah. I, we, we see that. I mean, they, the SBA wants to make sure that when the business owners get in there, they have plenty of uh, cash flow uh, coverage so they don't go broke, certainly in the first six months and they do well. So, uh, Steve, what's the best way to get in touch with you if uh, somebody wants to know more? Either by my uh, uh, cell phone number, 757-690-2727, or by email at smccue at tworld.com. Great, great. Thank you both for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. You might not realize it, but life has a soundtrack. For most of us, it sounds a bit like... But you can always change the station. In hundreds of Delta Airlines destinations, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.